So my guest today is Brian McKenzie. Welcome to the show, Brian. Um, so a little bit about Brian. He's a world-renowned strength and conditioning expert, innovator of the endurance strength and conditioning paradigm. Um, he studied uh, altitude and hypoxic training for over 10 years. He's ran ultra-distance races like the Western States 100 and has also finished uh, the Angeles Crest 100 miler um, beast mode. He's authored three books, Power Speed Endurance, Unbreakable Runner, and his latest is called Unplugged. Um, he's probably his biggest achievement, his best, is that he's married to Erin uh, Kafaro, his lovely wife, who's a two-time Olympic gold medalist rower. So welcome to the podcast, Brian. Thank you for having me. <laughs> yeah, man. Great to have you on. We have tons to cover, uh, so we'll see how far we can we can get today. Yeah. Um, so, you know, sort of jumping right in, um, we've known each other a long time. Um, there's my disclosure. Um, you know, I saw you uh, when I think you were a trainer. I met you and, yes. you know, needed to... 2004, I think. Okay, yeah. 2004. So we started training together. You started training me um, and kicking my ass all over the place. And I think at the time you were into Ironman or had competed Ironman Canada. Is that right? Yeah, I, I 2004, I did Ironman Canada. Um, and I remember you watching from afar how I tortured people in the gym. And you finally were like, all right, fine. I need to work a little hard. No, I'm just kidding. But, you, right. but you did you did observe from afar and you finally came up to me and, and, and we had a conversation. You wanted to start really training. And um, that was how we initiated our relationship. That's right. That's yeah. right. I don't think the, the guy I was working with was kicking my ass hard enough. I, <laughs> I, I got it. Um, so, I, you know, let's, I think a lot of people have, you know, that know of you. Yeah. Um, they have, they, they, you're, you're Brian from CrossFit yeah, or, yeah. you know, you're maybe you're Brian that ran Western States. And, mm -hmm. and I think there's these different, um, perceptions of you out there, but, I, but let's, let's go back and, and really start to talk about your early journey and where you sort of had this awakening to, you know, fitness and endurance sport or just a, a general enthusiasm for, um, you know, the human levels of fitness, like you started in the Navy. Mm -hmm. did, the obvious question, you know, did you want to be a SEAL? Mm -hmm. Like, was that when you went into basic training that, that you sort of had this awakening to, mm -hmm. to fitness or where did it start? No, it started in school. Uh, it started at Orange Coast College. I was on like that nine-year plan that you do with um, community college. <laughs> <laughs> you don't go to real college, you go to community college because you know you should be going to school still because everybody else went to school. Like, you know, and uh, I, I hated school. Um, I, I did everything. And, and uh, like I talk about this all the time. I did everything in high school in order to just graduate. And so I made it, that, that was the amount of school I went to, which wasn't a lot. And I played sports. I excelled at sports. I made varsity as a freshman. I wasn't like, I cared about playing. Like I loved sport. I loved training. I loved the whole aspect of it. Um, but I hated school and I hated the con, the construct of how it was defined at the time. Um, and, and, and it didn't work for a lot of people, but we did it anyway. And, and I was just one of those kids who was very punk rock. And luckily I grew up in that time and age too, that punk rock accelerated. I had, I found a calling. I, I am, uh, I, I look that I grew up. I have the look that I grew up in that time. Um, because those are the people and the influences that really, you know, uh, resonated with me, but it was in school where I took one exercise science class, like probably like five or six years into like, you know, this community college thing on and off. And I got an A because it was so, I was like, oh, this is rad. Like I know about all this from the other side. And then it was like, I, it took off and the guy who was running the, the whole program, like took me kind of under his wing. And then, you know, it was like kind of questioned things a couple of years into that and nobody had the answers. Thus I exited that. And, um, I had to go find those answers elsewhere. And, and, and the Navy played a role or way much earlier than that. You know, um, <clears throat> the Navy, I did yes enter because myself and two other friends <laughs> wanted to go to buds. We wanted to go see if we could get through buds. Both of my buddies dropped out in boot camp. <laughs> 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 they both left and I, uh, I made it. 
through boot camp, whatever. And then I entered into a, a pre uh, buds program where I basically just completely like locked up my IT bands had never run in my life and was just a hot mess. And they didn't let me go to buds because I was a mess. And so I went on to a ship and luck and, and not luckily, uh, <laughs> oddly enough, I got shipped to San Diego, California, which was a massive mistake probably for the Navy. Um, and I was drunk most of the time. And I was so drunk that I was actually asked to leave. And so it was, you know, it was just not my time, man. That was 21. So again, so the, the, you know, the Brian McKenzie that I know, and I think that a lot of those listening know, you know, would it, it's, it's, it's awesome to hear you come out with that, what you just said and be that honest. And, and, but you're badass. I mean, you, you have done things that uh, are beyond what most people do. And we're going to talk about that throughout our podcast today. Do you think that the Brian McKenzie now has a chance of doing a buds type program or? The, well, the me mentality now. Yes, absolutely. Right, right. Um, the, uh, do I want to? Absolutely not. No. I, I have no desire. No. I, I've run a hundred miles on more than one occasion. I've done ultras. I've, I've, tortured myself in just about every way. I don't look at myself as a badass. I don't think I'm a badass. I think I'm somebody who's willing to go and understand something to a level that not a lot of people want to go and do at first. But my, I think where I come in is I'm somebody who can communicate and motivate people to something that they didn't necessarily see as like something they wanted to do. You know, take ultras, take running hundred milers, take, um, breathing. Now, um, there was, you know, I, sure. There's a lot of people who do the breathing stuff and yoga has been doing it for thousands of years, but it's like, how many people do I now come in contact with who never thought of breath work as being something that was performance oriented or state oriented? Like I could use this in an office setting or even in, you know, whatever it's my ability to communicate something that shows opportunity that we didn't see before. And, you know, like, that's just been, I think my, my driver is the ability to kind of, I really want to go master this or, or understand this. You know, I don't want to be the best at it. I don't think that's necessarily mastering something. The best isn't always that for me. Um, like that, that, that shouldn't take away from somebody going and winning a gold medal at all. Uh, that, that is a different vehicle. That is a vehicle that isn't the vehicle I wanted to participate in after high school. I like, I did all the competing I wanted to really do and try and win everything I wanted to win. I just wanted to understand something to its depths, the way that I learned, look at how I went to school. I did not like learning in that manner. I wanted to go do it myself and go the hard route. Like my wife always says, like she decided to go the route. I mean, she graduated from Cal, bro. So, you know, she's she, like, she's like, look, you went to the school of hard knocks and, and, and got real life experience. And I went and did this thing, the traditional way. And it's the, nothing's wrong with either one. Yeah. It's just what you enjoy doing. Right. So let, let's, so you, you've talked a bit about the endurance and, and completing, um, grueling events like Western States. Um, so you've got unscared tattooed across your knuckles. <laughs> yeah. Um, and to me, you've earned the right to have that. Um, and you may have your own reasons for that, but I, I see it a certain way. <laughs> you've, you've dropped in, was it pipeline or sunset? I, I've, I've surfed both. Okay. You surf both big pipeline, not that big. Well, pipeline under six feet, but pipeline it's under six feet is still, you know, sunset. Yes. Over six feet, but that's, they're two different, completely different waves. Dude, and yeah. I'm not like, look, <laughs> if, if the surf crowd is listening to this in Hawaii, they're going, they're yeah, so, so fucking what? <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> Trust me. Like I, I work know. with all of these guys, like all of them. And you know, it's so. No, but it, it's, it's still a thing. I mean, it's, it's definitely, a, it, it's a thing. Um, so let's talk about the, you posted some stuff recently with you and a great white. Mm -hmm. So me and the great white hasn't been posted yet. The great white has, the great I, white, I haven't okay. gotten the green light to post that one because people may lose jobs and like boats may lose licenses until we get the actual per permission of the Mexican government. But so, as but, soon as that happens, which it will, that'll be you, posted. Okay. So aside from you willingly got out of a perfectly good protective cage in the wild with a great white. 
with uh, probably five or six gray whites. Okay, in the that water. was my next. Yeah, yeah. So were they on your six? I mean, how do you how? I don't know. So take me okay. I don't know where I I get my palms get sweaty when I even think about that. Well, this is like, the interesting what? thing about being human and and living in the time that we do is you know we've got this accelerant called technology that we can't keep up with, and and one of those is you know Instagram or fucking TV. It doesn't matter. So we've got this thing that we look at that we don't have to participate in that we literally are vicariously observing something and, and making a judgment or, and we all do it. I do it too. Like, look, I'm not, <laughs> I went there to understand this. I knew and I, I got out of the cage in day three. I, on day one, I knew I was getting out of that fucking cage. I knew that. I got into the, I was, I was offered a trip down to 30 feet, which is where, so they lower one cage down to 30 feet. It's actually 40 feet, but it's a 10 foot cage. So they lower the cage down off of the boat on a crane. And I got in the first wave down. I'd never been down yet. And, and the cage doesn't close. So it's an open up top. And, um, but I, you know, I'm on a hookah line as well, which there's this plastic hookah line of, of, uh, oxygen that goes up to the boat. And, I just willingly got in and did it and not even thinking. I'm like, fuck, like, is the thing starting to come off? I'm like, I didn't even think about any of this. <laughs> like, it just did it. And it's like all this shit starts rattling through your head. But from an outs, from an observer's perspective, you have these, 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 these predisposed, you know, these pre-chosen things about a great white shark. Right. And none of that was true. None of it was true to the fact that like, this animal wants to fucking like jaws. Like, you know, you go to the, that, that's, that, that's, dude. Yeah, people have been eaten by fucking sharks, but there's a lot more. How many people are actually eaten by sharks? And, and from what I observed, four people out of a cage with seven sharks that are the size of a vehicle, like a car. Mm. They were not fucking, they were curious and they knew what they could do. So, it, but regardless of the situation, I don't think, Everybody needs to go get out of a cage to do this. But we have this fear mechanism that's set up. And that's why I went on this thing. As we, as, as I, in being involved in a research project at Stanford, we, by using breath, breathing protocols that we developed an algorithm on, we basically the VR work that's being done there, the great white experience is in it. And so I got to go down to set up the breath protocol stuff for this. And, and there were 15 of us. There were only three of us that got out of the cage. We, there were three of us that got the permit. And um, it, I got to go do that. And what I saw, like I, the first time I got in the water with the great whites, I was like, fuck, this is insane. And there is this just monster, this, it, a dinosaur. Yeah, right. <laughs> And it just comes right by the cage and you see its eye, you see its pupil, you're watching this thing and it's looking at you and checking you out. It ha it doesn't give a sh it doesn't care. It cares about the, 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 the chum. Right. The, 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 the hunk of tuna that's literally being tossed out and it's literally working to go and get that because it knows what that is, you know? And it, there's a population of seals out there and it's like, there's like 250 great whites that patrol this bay out there in the middle of the ocean, the middle of nowhere. Um, and it was an opportunity of a lifetime. So, but so take me through, you're in the cage, you, you, you've gone down yeah. and it, you, like you said, uh, I didn't even think this thing through. So you're in there, but then now there's this you, secondary urge that says, you know what? I'm going to get out of the cage. Like well, how long were you in the, well, this the was first, dive, the first right? time I went down, I was literally kind of freaking out for the first couple minutes and I was down for 40 minutes. Right. Doing your breathing. I, I literally had to go into breathing pattern. I was right. like, fuck, I got to, I got to do the breathing right now so that I can control the physiology. And, right. and I really, cause I don't have a choice. I'm not going back up cause these guys are out of the cage and they're fucking shooting video and playing with the sharks. Right. And so- I was down there by myself in the cage as these guys are out and I hung out and I very shortly thereafter was like, wow, this, I, I'm literally 30 feet below the surface and there are five great white sharks mm -hmm. just circling around in this dance. And it was like, I was hooked. I was right. like, fuck, right. this is amazing. So the third day when I got to go down, I, um, 
you know, I, I was. Was there genuine fear though? I mean, I, again, oh, yeah, as yeah, I'm yeah, listening yeah. to you, my pits, well, look, I'm pitting the out. Most, I'm, the <laughs> most, the most uh, important message that I've probably received, like one of the most important messages I've, I've received, and he doesn't even know he did it. His name's Michael Muller. He's, he's, he's one of the photographers. He, I was just at his art show up in um, LA yesterday. And he takes these pictures of the, of the great white sharks. And he's just looked at me before we went down and he just said, do not get mesmerized. Mm. And mm. that has pertained to so many situations. And mm. the reason is, is you can't like, even though there's a shark coming at you or near you, there are other sharks. Right. What about the one that's deeper that you can't even see that's just going to come straight you're up here, your booty? You're here, you're here, and there's three <laughs> other guys, and it's you're just looking, man, and you're just it, – it's it, it, if they do come at you, the only thing you can do is really just put your camera – because you have a camera as a mm -hmm. defense mechanism. Um, you can put the camera out in front, and when they feel that camera, it's usually a, a turn and go off. I didn't have to experience that at all, but I did watch one of the guys at one point. Mm -hmm. go. The shark came at him, and he literally goes – he's one of the South African guys who, who pioneered this thing. And he went straight at the – and it was intense to watch this because it was like, dude, and he you cannot back off because if you behave like prey, you are prey. Right. This is the important part about everything we misunderstand. Right. If there's panic are, movement, you're waving your arms and legs, you're- There's you're a time food. to run from things and there's right. a time to do things. But, you, you, you know, nature is an interesting thing. And I think we've, we, our, our, our kind of dissociation from it and to vicariously watch, you know, Maynard's done an incredible job of really talking about that through his music. Yeah. And, and um, you know, we both resonate with that, which is why I bring it up. Yeah. But it's like, you know, I, I, I truly believe that, that we really don't, we, you know, you've got to go get in it in order to really understand it and just be like, oh, like, fuck, okay. I make up a lot of stuff. So, okay. <laughs> so, well, that's a perfect segue, I think, to, so you've done that, you know, there's big waves, you've, you've done the 100 miles, you've done Ironman, you've done... Again, more than most people would ever put on their bucket list. You've not only put them on there, but you've checked them off. My question is, what's next? It, and I don't think this is necessarily adrenaline for you. I think it's way beyond that. But mm -hmm. is there, you know, do you feel like a wingsuited cliff jive, yeah. dive is next? Or what, like what, what, what is that challenge that you wake up to? And I know there is one, if not several, every day, and you think, that's still out there and that still remains to be experienced by me. When it presents itself, it'll happen. So right now you're thinking like, there's nothing Bro, that you're I, sort I, of like. I love just, I love my life right now. I, I love waking up and going, wow, what I feel like fucking doing right now. Right, right. And, and I'm going to do some breath work and then I'm going to probably, you know, get something to drink and then I'm going to like start some coffee. And as soon as I get tuned up, I'm just like, all right, I'm going to go lift weights or I'm going to go get on my bike or I'm going to go, you know, snowboard or I'm going to go surf or I'm going to, you know, what, that, that's what I'm, you know. And then when it's like that next thing presents itself, it's there. But I mean, I'm involved in such high level projects right now with what I've been able to cultivate throughout the last 15 years that it's like, Right. Well, I think you're the living example. You know, they say to make your hobby your profession, right? Mm -hmm. So you, it, it is really sort of you're doing that. This is I mean, my it's, life. It is. It is I, one I, and I'm, the same. Yeah. Yeah. And, I, and I'm fortunate that my wife and and you know the people like look, man. I mean, my some of my closest friends I'm working right next to right now. My wife support is totally into everything I'm doing. Like, it, it's like fuck. Like, how do you get that? You know, and it's like, it, you, you got it. We like, it's, Hey, you've got this system, you've got this thing. And it's like, dude, don't settle for fuck. What are you settling for? Like, right. it's not like I haven't hit roadblocks. Like I'm not, sure. I'm divorced. Like sure. I, I was married before it, it wasn't like, she's not a bad person. She's a great person. Like it was tough at the time, but it's like, you know, that, what, that just wasn't the right situation. Like get out of that, let support her and push her and have her go do her thing. And you yeah. go do yours and stop being an asshole or whatever, and, or learn from that experience. And I just think there's so many people, especially in this world here, you know, that was, that was what I experienced here was just, there's just way too many people who are just so caught up in the, like the noise and the, like the, the vicarious, you know, out, outlier, but like, I'm going to create this false stress thing 
that I, I just want to create real stress. Right. <laughs> well, so, but you literally, you, you packed up and moved to outside of what part of Oregon? Uh, Bend. So Bend. we're about 30 minutes outside of Bend. Right. So, I mean, and I, I've, I've been there. You're, you're, you're yeah. a bit in the sticks yes. and I, I mean Way that in, in like, sticks. it <laughs> is, it is awesome out there. And do you feel like that, that literal change of scenery and moving into a slower lane has helped open your eyes and expose you to some of this new path you're on or do you think that would have come anyway or do well, you really like what is the what is the impact of environment no, had on I your, wouldn't be doing what I'm doing right now had I not gone to Oregon uh, right. but you know I mean put it but like look we could look at you know I started a business with Laird Hamilton and helped him get that kicked off the ground and, and I'm a founder in it and you know decided to exit that because I needed to just go do a reality check on myself and like, why would I want to leave a business with one of my close friends who's an icon? Absolutely. <laughs> like, like right. there isn't any, like, look, man, there isn't anywhere. I was just, I just saw him last night at this art show. It's like everybody in that place. And there were superstars in there. Yeah. Everybody wanted to be around Laird. Yeah. Like no, everybody he, wants to be around yeah, Laird. Man. It he, is what it is. Yeah. And it's like. He tucks his cape somewhere. Yeah, yeah, right? bro. I mean, he's, he's he, but he's as real as it gets. And it's like, I had, I need to do me and I needed to figure out me and I needed to do what I, you know, my, I need to do Brian. And and I would not have arrived at that in the noise. And I was getting a, a closer to a lot of noise in right. like that area, right? And, and so there's a lot of distraction and I needed to really understand something that I knew deep down was that low-hanging fruit that nobody was really looking at in the way we were looking at it. And that was the breast stuff. So let's talk about that. When you tell yeah. me what, what you're doing. Um, right now, we're, I'm, I'm in the mid, like, we really just launched a, a new business to where we've, I, I've been working with um, Dr. Andrew Huberman out of Stanford Medicine. Um, and we developed a, an, an algorithm of sorts that kind of fingerprints as a metaphor, you're a breathing protocol for you for de-stressing people. And, um, the journey that's like, I, I ran in this breath work probably five years ago. Right. And it's just been a rabbit hole. Like was that just start with Wim Hof? No, and it was prior to. No, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. I, I, um, it, it actually began with the training mask and, and laughing at yeah, that thing yeah. and then figuring out, oh, this helps with motor control. So we could figure out some things there. It helped us warming up our pulmonary system. So it helped the whole respiratory pulmonary system warm up. Um, and you know, we, uh, that led into me doing like some free diver, like courses online and looking at the free diving world and then meeting, you know, knowing mm -hmm. free divers and spear fishermen that then led to Wim Hof that then led to looking into Tumo meditation. And that then led to Buteco, which is this Russian system that that led into something. I, dude, I like, I've looked at all these different <laughs> things and I'm like, there's all this different shit. Like, it's just like training. There's like, there's, you can go short, you can go long, you can lift weights. You don't need to, you can do body weight. You could like, what, like there's right. just all this stuff. And, right. and so I, I really just, I started understanding that, um, we didn't know shit. <laughs> Every, like methods are many, but principles are few. This is like Bruce Lee right there, like 101. And it's like, oh yeah. Like, yeah. And you're on the cutting edge of this. I mean, this is this is sort of one of those things that's sort of yeah, maybe it's out there, but yeah. maybe it hasn't been framed in and and packaged and presented in a way that whether you're um, you know a guy like me who's I'm not a competitive athlete, mm -hmm. uh, but I enjoy yeah training up for a race yes. or something, and or you know just now I'm about a year practicing meditation, so yeah. it could have a dual application for a guy like me. One hundred percent. Well, breathing is a form of meditation, but then there is the meditation, meditation where it's like you know you're not fo focused on breath work and meditation, right? Um, but yes, it, um, we are what we're doing. We don't know. We we don't know of anybody doing this. N not even close. Everybody's just kind of throwing. Like even the yoga yeah. world was just like you go to a yoga class and you're doing one breathing right. rhythm and everybody's doing it and it's right. like. I was like, that's not affecting, like I figured out that's not affecting everybody in the same way. That's not like not it because everybody's physiology is functioning in different ways. Although we all function in the same type of way, 
look, us, uh, some of us are thinking differently than others and react differently. And some of us are more parasympathetic dominant and sympathetic dominant. And it's like, there's just all these variables that started to play within it. And so when we started looking at this, it was like, okay, so if I give this protocol to this type of person, that does that. And if I give it to that person, it does this. Mm -hmm. So one's an up, one's a down, one's, a, you know, and it's like, oh shit, like, Okay, and so we've been messing with this for enough time to really have some real data points on it. Um, and so the, the, this next venture is to be able to put out an app that anybody and everybody can use. Um, and, you know, it's taken off like a rocket ship. Like I can't even, like, it, it's accelerating at levels I can't. And, and when do we see something, when are you going to be able to, present something to market via an app or most likely January, February. And will there January, February. Okay. And will there also be sort of a, like I, I would be, there's something going out like there a, now, like a seminar or like, Oh, a oh yeah. We, we teach, we teach right now. We teach art of breath courses, which we teach all the principles behind this stuff. But from a performance perspective that that's actually, uh, um, molding into even the mindfulness area yeah. where we're teaching the same stuff, except we're removing the performance side going over the principles, the physiology. So we teach from a standpoint of mechanics, physiology, and state. And so how all of that works through and the principles behind breath work and surrounding that. So we have that. And then we also have actually a breath assessment online on power, speed, endurance Okay, that people can do this first round version of what's happening. The app's just going to be the much more robust, well-tuned at your fingertips thing. Man, I can't wait for that. Yeah, I mean, that's yeah. Really... Think of like you know, you want to change, you want to upregulate, you want to downregulate, you want to go switch tasks, you want to be ready to go train, you want to be, you want to come, you know, you want to go to sleep. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, all that. Yeah, like, you don't want to take like this is what you know, we run into the military community: it's stress, like, anxiety, like whammo. It, right, yeah. all based on breath. The stuff we've seen with PTSD, the stuff we've seen with TBIs, right. like, dude, it's crazy. So. So you've done, you know, you continue to evolve this. Um, what does it mean for you personally from a, you, obviously you, this is something you're passionate about. This is something you're doing every day. Yeah. I mean, you must be focusing on your breath throughout the day, which means essentially you're, you're very aware of meditation. What, what are your, what, what is, do you meditate and, mm -hmm. and what, what do you mainly, um, What's your, what's, what technique do you use and, and why do you use it? Well, breath, like I said, you know, breath work is meditation. Right. So if you're actually there, there, that is a form of meditation. Um, there is no right or wrong in my eyes. I'm not a world-class meditator. Um, I'm definitely ADD and I need it. Uh, you know, I need something like I, the breath works changed my entire being, but the meditative aspect of it, of being conscious and aware of what's going on for me has probably paid, played the most important role. And I think that's where the role of people don't understand with the breath. It's like, and, and we hear this kind of hip, this, this really esoteric type talk that I'm kind of getting into. Right, right. And I'm not, I'm not suggesting people need to go sit in full Lotus and, and find their inner child. Right. right. I'm suggesting that if you, wherever you're sitting and how you're sitting, just be aware of your breathing or actually try some breath work, try 10 breath cycles. Like what's 10 breaths, man. And if I can slow your breath down to one breath a minute, I've just changed your physiology right. for the better. Bar none. This, the lower your respiration rate is to a large degree without taking into consideration you're somebody who's dying, right? Or, or has some form of pulmonary disease, right? The better off we tend to get. And, and so unfortunately with society, what's happened with us is that we, we tend to have really high respiration rates, far higher than we need. And when we have that, we're blowing off the only re the thing that is the only reason we breathe, which is CO2. So carbon dioxide is the only reason why you're taking an inhale on, a, on an unconscious level. On a conscious level, you're doing it because you're triggering that whole thought process, right? But I don't breathe because of oxygen. We don't have anything in our body that says, hey, you're low on oxygen, we need to take a breath. You have something that in your brain that says, hey, you're low on oxygen, I'm gonna shut you off and you pass out. That's what a shallow water blackout is, right? You're going low on oxygen. The, so the, the whole kind of, the, the, the totality of this is how do we figure you out and, and where do we start you and what are you looking to look at? And it's like, if I want to get into that zone or that place to where I can really 
contemplate or, or, or not, you know, I think the non-reactive place is really the important thing with, with meditation. And it's just being observant of things like feelings, like we were discussing earlier. It's like, look, meditation is really just about sitting there and being aware of something. And whether it's your thoughts or whether it's a feeling you have, take that anger thing. Like, why am I angry right now? Well, you know, I mean, there's a, there's a guy who wrote two phenomenal books. Uh, one's called Sapiens. The other one's called Homo Deuce by Naval. I Yuval just downloaded Ferrari. that on iTunes yeah. yesterday. I keep hearing everyone talk about this, so I'm, I'm diving in. Yeah, yeah. so I, 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 I read, I've read these. These have been a pivotal part in how I've really altered my thought process because I, I, I think he's really the person who is the communicator of the future. Mm. Um, and, and it's not just because I'm that we're on meditation. It's because here's a guy who's finally talking about what it what what it means to be human and and why we are where we are and the possibilities in any situation. There is no one way to anything. There are only possibilities, and we are nothing more than storytellers. And ninety nine percent of the shit that comes out of our mouths is nothing more than a story of fiction. And for us to be able to weed through that. And be able to get to the reality, I think that is where meditation lies. And again, so back to your getting out of your the the shark cage, right? Yeah. It's we well, we've seen there's we've only all one seen truth jaws, right, right there. There's only one truth that's right there in front of you, though. Right. You're right. in reality. That's that's why we seek these moments, though. Like a great white shark thing, yeah. right? Yeah. This is why we get out, we jump out of a plane. This is why we go and you know, whatever it is that makes you feel alive, right? Yeah. That is an experience. That is a truth. That is a reality. That is something that is actually happening. You cannot deny, like there's nothing not. And so the, it's, you're very present in that moment. And that's what meditation actually is. So who's to say, like, I used to always talk because people are so, you know, rightfully so are very enamored with Laird and what Laird's done. Right. And, um, people are like, fuck, what's it like to just surf the size of waves that you do and do this and that and that. And we would do these these experiences with people. And I was like, you need to look at the fact that this started as a kid who was body surfing waves this big on a beach. And he's 53 years old now. And that's where that's progressed to. It was a commitment. What's your commitment? And right. who's to say he's not any more spiritual than the Dalai Lama himself because of what he's doing and what he's doing in his space. And if you actually sat with the guy and understood him for who he was, he's talking about the same shit the llama is, man. <laughs> like, no joke. Right. It, that's the reality of it. People who truly pursue greatness and, and want to do that, that's where they end up. They're, it's not fucking me, 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 or how much more money or what. The, it's like, how can I use this money to be a vehicle to do something for people, Right. You know, it, it just, it, it's crazy stuff, but it, it, you know, it's crazy to look at it, but I think that's where it, it's like, dude, it doesn't matter. It's not the money. It, it, you know, that's, yeah. I'm just using that as an analogy. It's what are you doing? Like, what do you want to do? How do you want to do it? And what do you want to put into it? And I think that's, that. I just wanted to understand what running a hundred miles was like. And then I wanted to do it again and whatever. And then I wanted to get into breathing and I wanted to get into strength and conditioning and I wanted to understand movement and whatever. And you've written a book on pretty much all of those things. Every one of them. Yeah. There's, there's <laughs> and, proposals and, well, you, and there's book deals in, God, the, in play right now. <laughs> no, dude, we, we didn't even, we've skipped over your latest book, Unplugged. Yeah. We didn't even, we haven't even gone there, but yeah. essentially I am the biggest victim guinea pig. I, matter of fact, I'm an example in the book without using my name. <laughs> uh, you know, look, I'm that guy and, and maybe like everyone that's listening can identify. You were the epiphany, but let's, you know, let, let's just like step back for a second. We'll get into this, but it's like, you actually played a very pivotal role in where all of this is right now. Because I did everything wrong? No, because <laughs> there was a point where I was supposed to pace you yep. at a marathon. Yeah. Remember? Yeah. And I said, hey, I got this fucking crazy guy up in Santa Cruz who just offered for me to come and present at this seminar, and it's on the same day. And you said, you got to go, dude. You got to go. Mm. This is your opportunity. And that was that thing that kind of set that, mo that thing in motion to where it was like, fuck, I got to go. I, I had to go present in front of like a hundred people. I've never presented it. Like I've never done any public <laughs> speaking, right? 
it was so gnarly, but it was like, I was supposed to be with you. And I was like, I was willing to stick to that commitment, but you were like, no, 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 you're, you're going and doing, this is your ticket, dude. And that was that ticket at the time. And that's why I was known for the CrossFit stuff. Right. But it was like, I spent a decade in that man. Yeah. I under, I got it. I understood it. I get it. I need to evolve. I'm evolving. I'm moving on. I'm doing my thing. And you know, and it's like, one, it's just chipping and, and being able to see those opportunities and know what those are, you know, I think is huge, but it's like, you got to look for that stuff and you got to be surrounded around people who understand that. That's true. It's true. So, but on the unplugged, on front, unplugged, yeah. Because so the, the story dude was, I'm looking at my watch. So, well, let, let me, t- so I've got the Garmin watch going. I got the, I think Brian, you refer to it as a bitch band. Yeah. My heart rate monitor. Uh, I've got tunes on my arm. I got headphones in my ear. Uh, and I'm going for a run. And I think, you know, you make the argument that you're not escaping from, you know, I, I would tell you, oh yeah, you know, I, I run as sort of my meditative place. I can go, I can think, I can clear my head. And I can exercise at the same time and good for me. You would say you're trapped in your own prison cell, right? I mean, essentially. Yes and no. Yes and no. If this is what I do every single day, repeated over and over, expecting something different, we've just defined insanity, right? If I'm doing this to, to just get in that blissful state to just enjoy it, no, go out and do that. But if I'm doing this to train for something, dude. You're not training for shit. No, no, it's junk miles. It's, <laughs> it's, just, it's, it's just working off the that's pizza not, I had that, last That's night. you just f- fulfilling some empty prophecy yeah. of, that we call chasing the dragon, man. Totally. To- right. So it was literally the the whole thing was, dude, if we go any faster, I'm going to blow. And it was like- it, Yeah. Right? And I'm like, dude, if you were going to blow, <laughs> you wouldn't be telling me you were going to blow. You wouldn't right. be having this conversation with me. Not even close. Yeah, but right. that, that planted a seed- in me, it wasn't like that moment. It was like, oh, it all made sense. It was that seed that said, wait a second. What are we using this shit for anyway? Yeah. And it's don't not go get a heart rate monitor. But if you're letting that heart rate monitor dictate where you should be, you've misunderstood performance. Right. And listen, I think there's, there, let's just, there's a baseline of fear there. And I don't know what it is, but like, I'm like scared to go get on a track without my instruments and go see how fast I can run. And I don't know what the fear is exactly that I'm going to blow up prior to finishing the mile or that maybe my fastest mile is not going to break 630. And maybe that, so. Does it matter? No, I'm almost a 45 year old man with three kids. Who cares how fast I can run a mile? I mean, my ego, I guess. There you go. There you go. So that's it. So so what's the meditation about? (laughs) It's like, so what does it matter? Like, I, dude, I get it. I, you know? Dude, I, like, if I go out to go run a mile for time, I'm going through the same role. Like, I'm doing the same thing. But it's just like, well, what, it, it's, how do I get, how do I remove myself from that and just actually go and just do something? And just do it. Yeah. And it has to be a step-by-step process. It's why the first time you're probably not going to find enlightenment. <laughs> well, dude, and this whole idea of going anaerobic and, and knowing where the red line is, I feel like the older I get, the more I shy away from the red line, which the worst part is what happens? Dude, they I just, run right back to my devices and yeah. I go, Oh, I got to stay yeah. in my, um, 145 to 165 they just zone. showed in a study with a guy from, I think Norway, he's some Scandinavian country. He's been a lifelong rower. He's like in his forties now. And he rode at the Olympic level, like when he in his twenties, his max heart rate hasn't changed. That's it's, crazy. Is it? Is it? Well, VO2 or, or, max. Or, 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 or we were lying on somebody to give us information yeah. that they're not actually like, like I'm relying on a doctor to tell me how high my heart rate should get. Yet that doctor knows nothing about how hard I go, when I do it, when I don't. Like he's just using very, and it's nothing wrong with the doctor. It's just he's out of his scope of practice. Right. <laughs> VO2 degree. max though, over age, is a diminishing returns, right? Yes and, and no. That, no. All you have to be worried about is that VO2 max really dropping my think below 22. The moment it drops That's below- That's not tw- a problem. The, the yeah. moment that drops <laughs> below 22, they, there's, there's research that says you're probably going to die. Right, right. If you lose leg strength to stand up, 
that same research says you're going to die. So if you can't squat or you can't, you know, pick something up off the floor, you're going to die. If your grip strength goes to a certain level, you're going to die. All of these things just look back at something that's, you know, just called common sense. Don't stop fucking moving. Right. You don't want somebody wiping your ass when you're older. So don't do whatever you got to do to make that happen. Like I understand that some of us, have that out of our, or is out of our control. But for the vast majority of us, we're looking for that comfort factor that I think we don't get. And it's like, I, like I still have fun going hard. So let's talk a little bit about that. So you have in, in, in your backwoods, uh, location, yes. you've got, um, you've got a, what a, what do you call it? What's the right term for you? You've got a hot, cold thing you do. Yeah, yeah, what do, what do we call that? Yeah, hot, hot cold, cold plunge. plunge. Like, yeah. So I've got a sauna, and, and a then sauna. I've got and I've got a um, I've got a meat freezer that's been converted into an ice plunge. Okay, so let's let's just start with um, let's start with a typical day. So you wake up. Would would that take me through a day? Would those come into play? Do you work out every day? Do you ever have a cheat day, or you just go, you know what? I'm going to In and Out. I'm going big. Like what? What does a day? Or what does a couple day window look like for you? Uh, usually, I'll wake up. Uh, I, I don't start like none of my appointments usually begin unless I'm on the road until ten a.m. and I I'm up between four and five. And that's your time. So what's happening there? Um, get up. I usually do some water hydration, some coffee or tea, and then I do breath work with that or breath work before that. Um, and then I will go probably get into the ice plunge. Um, so I get in the cold for about three, I do 10 breaths. So that's anywhere from three to five minutes. Um, and then, uh, I get into what temperature is that 32 to 34 degrees. Now, is that literally cold water? Is there ice floating in that water? There's a little ice floating in there, but the the water itself is that temperature. So So that's the difference between on, I like putting ice into a uh, tub and, and it being cold. It's not the same type of cold that water is all you know, like, oh man, yeah, it, it's pretty cold. Okay, man. but is there a sense of dread? So you wake up in the morning and you're, yeah, okay, there's you're, always this sense of like, sense fuck, of I gotta dread? get in this cold water, it, but okay. it's like literally within the first 10 seconds, you're like, oh, yeah, here we go. And and, in, and within the first 10 seconds, are you into your waist? Do you slip no. all the way in? No, I, I go all the way in to your neck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm all the way in. Um, but look, man, I've been doing this for, for quite some time now. Oh, man. Um, so, like, look, my response to it is very different from somebody who's brand new to it. Somebody who's brand new goes, <gasps> right. And you're not even there out. anymore. No, not I even. get in and I'm. You're, yeah, you're breathing. You're just. As slow right. as I can. Slow as you can. And literally it can go three to five minutes of in 10 breaths. So that's. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So that's like two breaths a minute. Right. That's like. if were... I could get it slower if I wanted sometimes, but it's like, you know, I like. Five minutes, it's really, you know, really don't need that much longer in it. And then I go get in the sauna and I just turn it up and sit in that sauna. For, and how long are you in there? Uh, 20, 30 minutes to 200 and something degrees. Okay. So, all right. So let's finish your day. And then I, I want to sort of um, relate this to if I'm, you know, a guy that lives in a major metropolitan city that works out, that is hearing this and is like, okay, well, I don't live somewhere where I've got a hot, cold plunge. And, and I, like, how, how sure, do I do if that? If you've got a house, you've got, you've got the ability. Like, you know, if you've got a deck, if you've got a backyard, you've got like, look, how many people, I know how many people have meat freezers or extra refrigerators. They're just sitting there and they're basically empty. Like these things exist. They're easy to do, but it's just like, you can seek them out. You can do cold showers. You can do, um, hot tubs, but a sauna is actually an easy thing to get. And most people can afford them at this point. Um, I think a sauna is actually the most important of these things. The cold actually is great and I, and I love it, but I, I really think that the sauna is actually the better play. Um, the Scandinavian countries have been doing it forever. Um, uh, so I, I, I go from the hot, the cold, hot, and then I go and I'm like, all right, what do I feel like doing? And it's either I'm going into the gym and doing some strength training. Um, I usually lift, uh, once or twice a week, fairly heavy, pretty heavy. Um, I don't really max out. You don't, I don't think you need to, um, just my experience with it. Um, but then, you know, there's other days where it's like my wife and I are going on a two hour plus mountain bike ride, you know, and we're off into the mountains and into the woods and gone, man. And then we come back or I'm going and doing some crazy metabolic kind of crossfitty type workout. Okay. And is, does running ever kind of come back in the picture or do you feel like you've just, a little bit, you've done your running? Yeah. I mean, I still run <laughs> to some degree. Um, 
like, I don't go run for fun or pleasure. You know, um, it's just not my thing. I walk a lot more. I hike a lot more. Yep. Um, I, I just, do you have an off day? Do you, do you yeah. wake up and go, I'm just going to do my hot cold thing yeah, yeah. and meditate. Uh-huh. And uh-huh. usually and- Sundays we don't eat anything. So Sundays are fasting days and we will usually do hot and cold, like two or three rounds of it. You're fasting once a week, typically at least. And is that a, is that a juice fast or just straight up? No, like no. you water, water. Yeah. Right. And why, why once a week, why that pattern or why just, it's just a reset for the next week? Yeah. Keep it re- like, I don't think like we haven't evolved fast enough to actually kind of remove ourselves from the fact that we would eat, you know, and we just gorge ourselves and then we wouldn't because, and we would do that because we wouldn't literally have all this abundance of, of food. So are you it's a, like, the, you know, the minimalist lifestyle to a large degree? Sure. <laughs> No, I get it, man. But no, so are you, you're obviously, so are you an eat when you're hungry guy? If that's two in the afternoon or yeah. two at night, doesn't like yeah. whatever. Yeah. When I get hungry. You don't go like, oh, it's 1230. Yeah. When I get hungry, I eat, but you know, I mean, I'm like, look, I'm, I just transitioned out of this high fat stage. I'm going more into a higher carbohydrate, lower protein, lower fat thing. Um, but, but the, the higher carbohydrate we're talking about is plant based. So like, you know, and then I'm also considering tooling around with like, strictly plant-based for like a day or two and then gorging on meat. And, and, um, you know, the vegan (laughs) diet doesn't really work well with me. I don't, I respect it. I've, I've been there, but you know, the only problem with veganism is vegans. So, you know, it just becomes this, it's just like CrossFitters. It's like, there's no problem with CrossFit. It's CrossFitters, right? You know, like it's, uh, you know, I, I think that they, that, we can learn a lot from, you know, various different ways of eating and all of that. And, and there is no one stop fits all. There's right. No so such you thing. don't necessarily subscribe to, you know, ketosis or paleo or, I or think it just, you should be in ketosis from time to time. Okay. I think you should be eating high carb time to time. My, my co-author on unplugged home runs this. If you are so sensitive that you can't have a cookie, you're doing something wrong. If you are so sensitive that you can't eat a lot of fat, you're doing something wrong. And if you're so sensitive that you can't eat a lot of protein, you're doing something wrong. Yeah, right. So, that doesn't mean you go eat a lot of protein every single day. And he's also like, look, you should go- moderation, right? Yeah, yeah but just... you should be able to go a full day without even drinking water. Like there should be something like that. There should be, you know, you should be able to not, these are like, this is real, this is real. Like- that's really understanding dependency to things versus not, you know, and like where mm. we were, I, I, I think that it's this large thing that we are, we are so convenient to everything. And I fall in, I dude, this is, I, I, I love convenience, right. But it's, we eat kale, we eat this, we eat that meat. We, and it's like, that's what's going on weekly. We never ate like that. <laughs> that never fucking happened. Right. So b- before we, let's get into that for a second. You, we, before we started recording, we were talking about this, you know, sort of, we seek comfort in the short term. Can you explain a little bit, uh, elaborate a little bit about that? Yeah. Um, we, we seek short term comfort and, and f- don't realize that that causes long term discomfort versus short term discomfort, which provides long term comfort. So let's, let's save give a money, couple of save money. And in 50 years, you'll have a lot of money. There you go. True. <laughs> True. But, it, but it's, it, it's, it's um, eating the same thing over and over. Like it's, it, it's, it's not divert, not, not getting outside of your bubble. Like um, friends who surf, uh, but, you know, they don't surf when the waves get just a certain height. And it's like from time to time, step it up. Like go put yourself in that uncomfortable place. You'll be surprised as to what happens when you come back to the regular surf. I I don't want to go surf massive waves. I don't, but I put myself in the position to be there. And I've done some, some of that to where it's made, it's had a heavy influence on my, you know, on wave riding at, at normal levels. Right. And even my snowboarding and other things. And it's like, it's had an impact to where it's like affected me in a way to where I now do things that I'm, that have, you know, it's been, it's just been impacted far differently. Right. And those things become much more palatable and easy 
for you to do the more you step out into this discomfort, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's like my wife was just down here and she just flew home this morning and she, she came down here to get her haircut by Patsy. <laughs> so she came and spent the day with Patsy. They went and did grit and she's like, dude, <laughs> you should like, and my wife, she's so sweet, dude. Like she doesn't do it. She doesn't talk shit or anything. She doesn't like beat down on Patsy, you know, like I do, but it's like, she's like, it is so hysterical. Like these women are just, do, it's like most of them are still kind of overweight and they've been doing this for a year and they just go in there and they go really hard and they're, and they, and they're, and they're doing all these pushups and things and like doing high reps of all this stuff. And it's like, they have no idea what they're doing. They're just following what it's the sweat pattern. Right. And she's like, I came down here and she goes, it was so funny to watch this because she goes, but by the end of the day, when I left, I felt like I needed to get a whole bunch of new stuff. Like I just needed to go buy stuff and get new stuff and oh, all man. this stuff. And yeah. it's like, cause everybody's wearing this trendy shit and it's yeah. like the next thing. And it's like, yeah, when you're in Oregon, <laughs> buddy, dude, no, it's it, cold outside. There's literally bumper stickers yeah. that say, smile, you're in Oregon, like, right. or, or fuck off. We're full. And like, it's <laughs> like, like they just, they're just like, it's a totally different world, man. And it's been such a great thing because it's really clean. I, I look, I have nothing against people wanting going and buying more shit or doing whatever the fuck doing great cycle or whatever. I'm sure it's fun. It's a blast, but it's like, look, I, it's not my, my jam. And, and I need to be separated from a lot of that stuff a lot because it really brings me, brings perspective to what is r reality for me. And I think that's the big missing point is reality for all of us. Right. Like when things like Santa Rosa hit, man, dude, that's reality. Yeah. Mother nature's a bitch. My dude. Mother Nature does not give a fuck. No. And and my my brother-in-law got a picture of one of his good friends who lost their home. Their entire street looked like the apocalypse. And he's standing in the street and he's just like smiling and holding his hands. And what else do you do? It's just an opportunity, dude. Yeah. It's just an opportunity. What did all of it mean? What do you, like, you've got your life. You got to keep on living. You know, mom, mom, Bambi can't really fucking walk. Like when mom gets killed, Bambi has to get up and walk off into the sunset and, and figure out how life works. If Bambi just sits there and cries the whole time, Bambi's going to die. Like we, <laughs> that's how it works, man. Life goes on. Yeah. So, you know, that's just how we roll. Dude. Well, listen, I, I, um, I could talk for, three more hours three more. with you. You're fantastic. I, I, I want to save some mojo, get you back on. Um, but we should probably wrap. I, I, I do, is there, um, would you like to tell everyone that's listening where they might be able to follow you or get your books? Or? Uh, yeah. Books, easy Amazon, power, speed, endurance, unbreakable runner and unplugged, uh, social, uh, website, powerspeedendurance.com. And then that has all the information on the breathwork stuff as well. Um, if you want to follow me on social media, most activity is probably Instagram at I am unscared. Awesome. Brian, always rad, man. Thanks. Really, really great to hang. Good to be here, bro. All right, dude. Thanks. <laughs>